Good morning. My name is Rich Jones. Um, I am the relief pitcher this morning. Uh, Tim called me and shared that someone was unable to make it this morning, so I'm here. But I'm very grateful to be here, and I thank Tim. He told me I'm on time restriction, so I want to get right into it. I know three hours goes by really quick, so I want to I get us going here. <clears throat> when I was a young boy, I heard evangelist Billy Graham on TV preach a message from John 3:16 through 19. You know this passage, very familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Now, I watched him on a black and white TV. That tells you how old I am. But uh, I was fascinated, not by the message. In fact, I didn't think the message from John 3, 16 uh, had anything to do with me whatsoever. I didn't think that was a, such a big deal that God so loved the world. And why wouldn't he love me? I thought I was a lovable guy. So that didn't mean anything to me. But I was fascinated by his presentation. And so that always stayed with me. But little did I know that those words would penetrate to the very core of my being. In 1977, I was involved in two accidents. The first one, I was hit by a train in my, in my car. And just to show you that uh, I'm an equal opportunist for accidents, uh, three months later, I was hit by a bus. And needless to say that nobody wanted to travel with me in a car at that time. <clears throat> but both accidents made me realize and take into account my own mortality. Billy Graham had preached that eternal life was found in Christ for those who put their hope and trust in him, and that hell, eternal damnation, awaited for those who rejected Christ. I realized after my second accident that I was a rejecter of Christ, and I realized that I was not um, somebody who could cheat death anymore. And so, God, in his grace, the place where I was working, put together some other people who were believers. And it just so happens, don't you think that's a coincidence, uh, that they shared with me the plan of salvation, and they used John 3.16. It happened to be the place that I was working. I was employed as a mechanic. One of the people's cars that I worked on just happened to be a pastor. And he shared with me the plan of salvation, and he used what? John 3.16. And so I when I was home by myself, I got to thinking, there's got to be something about this John 3.16. I heard it when I was a young boy. I keep hearing it now at work from, from different people. So I, I, in my room, I, I can't tell you the exact time and date, but that message that I heard from Billy Graham and what my friends had shared penetrated to the core of my stubborn heart. And I received Christ. I embraced that message of John 3.16. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, <clears throat> and so uh, when I shared that with my mom, my mom cried. My mom cried, oh, now I'm never going to have any grandkids. And I said, no, no, mom, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm going to be, I'm gonna be a, a preacher. And so she goes, I'm going to have your grandfather call you. Now, I'm half Italian. See the nose? You can tell. 
Okay. And, and uh, my, my grandfather called me on the phone. He said, hey, you know, Ricky, what's the matter for you? I heard you're going to become a priest. I said, no, Grandpa, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm going to be a preacher. He goes, hey, you don't want to be a priest. They make no money. I said, no, Grandpa, I'm not going to be a priest. I'm going to be a, a preacher. Now, I had no idea what that was. My dad said, ah, just give him time. It's a fad. He'll grow out of it. My friends thought it was really absurd. Because we used to joke in high school, hey, Jonesy, when you graduate from high school, what are you going to be? I said, either a cop or a preacher. And we would all laugh. I had no idea what a preacher was. But when I gave my life to Christ, I believed that God was leading me to school, to study, to be in the ministry. And so I sold my car and I headed off to school. And I had no idea what I was doing there at school. In fact, the only thing of note that I did there is I got myself put on academic probation. Uh, I had no idea what they were talking about. In fact, somebody told me jokingly, but I didn't know it was a joke. They told me that the epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> okay, I thought that was, that was fine. And then I could never figure out what's up with this Old Testament and New Testament. Why do you need an Old Testament if you got a New Testament? I mean, I believe out with the old, in with the new. I, I didn't know why they were spending so much time talking about things like that. Uh, anyhow, I struggled in school. I wondered if I had made the right decision. My parents thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. And I was flunking school. And yet, I could not get away from the message of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. I knew that I had that. And I knew that I wanted to share that with others. I wanted others to know that. What I have discovered, that they can pass over from, from the sentence of death to the sentence of life. And I just wanted to tell people, even if I was not very good at telling people. I knew I wasn't a great candidate to be a preacher. I grew up my whole life with a speech impediment. I didn't like being in front of people. I still don't to this day. But I believed so strongly in that message of John 3.16. I just wanted people to know well, as time progressed, my, my grades improved, and I eventually graduated from college and seminary, and I've had the distinct pleasure of being a pastor for over 40 years, and recently we started a new ministry with some other friends about helping pastors and, and churches. We call ourselves APAC, alongside pastors and churches, and all with the same goal. We want people to know John 3.16, the good news. We want them to know this God that would so love us that he would send his one and only son. We want them to know that they can have eternal life and they can be spared from eternal damnation. They put their hope and their trust in Christ. C.S. Lewis was a scholar, an author, and an apologist of the 20th century. And I read a quote of his at the beginning of my ministry schooling that has stayed with me over the years. Lewis wrote these words. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its own appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have those, I have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than I tend can to hear a good joke and find no one to share it. If we truly believe that our Heavenly Father is wonderful, if we truly believe that what He has done for us in Christ is utterly amazing, that He would send His Son to rescue and to save those who are lost, 
then it is cause for celebration. What you're celebrating today, Celebration Sunday. And as Lewis noticed, our celebration is incomplete until we share with others. We just sang some wonderful songs this morning about how great and wonderful our God is and what he has done for us in Christ. In 1976, I'm dating myself, but in 1976, the Doobie Brothers Band had a hit song entitled, Taking It to the Streets. The song popularized the phrase, taking it to the streets, which means bringing a message directly to the people. I think it's wonderful that Grace Community Church this morning is having a celebration Sunday, encouraging one another by reminding themselves what God has done in Christ. But can I say this? That we need to take this message to the streets. We can't just celebrate it inside this building. We need to take it outside this building. If God is good to us, which he is, and the gospel is just utterly amazing and wonderful, which it is, we can't keep it to ourselves. We need to take it to the streets. In 2022, I'm hoping that we won't just celebrate in a building like this. We're going to be telling our friends about the good news of the gospel. We're going to be telling about the God who loved us so much that he gave his son. He sent a son in the world to seek and save those who were lost. That's us. And that was our friends. You remember when Jesus was on his way to the cross and he approached Jerusalem? And people began to worship and they cried out, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees of the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. If inanimate rocks were at the ready to cry out about our Lord, how much more so for those of us who know him and love him? Don't you think? In the 1970s, I keep going back to the 1970s today, don't I? In the 1970s, you remember this, those who are my age, Coca-Cola Company took a group of young people and they gathered them on a hill in Italy and they had them sing a song about harmony in the world. And they changed the words from a song, I like to teach the world to sing, and they changed it to this. I like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the real thing. Well, it makes me smile even today when I hear that commercial, and I remember those lyrics. But no soft drink can ever bring harmony between God and man and man and man. Only Christ can. And that's the song that the world needs to hear. That's the song that the world needs to be singing. And it begins with those of us who know that truth and are taking it to the streets. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe that? then don't keep it to yourself in 2022. Let the Celebration Sunday just be the start of how you share and celebrate with people the good news of the gospel and the God that will love us so much. I like to teach the world to sing, but I want to teach them how to sing about the God that loves them and the Christ who came to die for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rich. Would you please join me in prayer? Well, Father, as we enter into this, this new year, we do lift it up to you. And Lord, as we, as we even meditate briefly on the fact that you are above time, that you are transcendent of time, that a 
thousand years is like a day to you. Lord, we know that you are in control of all things. And so, Lord, we lift this year to you in, in peace and in confidence, knowing that this year is in your hands. And, Lord, as we move uh, our church, and, Lord, is, this is the only home we've ever had, um, there will be days that will be hard. But we know that you are moving us and that we are in your hands. And that, Lord, may that be our peace this year. And that you be our comfort comfort and confidence, knowing that you have us right where you want us to be. Lord, help us to trust in you, to be faithful to you. God, give us unity of heart. And Lord, as Rich just spoke about, Lord, that we know that we have a mission. No matter where we are located, no matter what kind of building we have, we have a mission from you to tell the world, to tell Visalia about your wonderful son, Jesus Christ, and the salvation that he offers. And we want to tell the world, Lord, that this year. Lord, give us the strength to do that as a church. Give us the boldness to do that as a heart, Lord, that sees your beautiful glory, your beautiful love. May that pour out of our own hearts and may this change um, our very city. Lord, would you use us this very year? And Lord, we want to give you thanks and praise for all the rain that you've given to us very recently. Lord, what an abundance you've given to us and what a great gift it is. We give you thanks for that as well. And Lord, as we continue to celebrate and to hear from the DeVries family and as we worship in in song, Lord, may we do this with a heart full of thanksgiving and anticipating that you are going to do amazing things in our lives, in the lives of this church and our very city. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, Grace Community. Oh, there she is. As Jared said, uh, we're the DeVries family. We know most of you, and uh, Dana is, was just taking care of our littlest one, uh, who God blessed us with this year, totally unexpectedly. Um, so yes, God is good and not on our timetable. But uh, we are pre-deployed missionaries, uh, which means we are in preparation to going to the mission field Uh, sent from Grace Community, uh, and we're headed over to Birmingham, England to primarily work with Muslim people and to strengthen the church there. We're seeking to expand the gospel, uh, get the gospel to the streets, just like Rich shared. And so that's where we are, but we're in a a weird time frame, something I never expected as a math teacher. Uh, We are in the fundraising process and during COVID and all the fun that goes with that. And so um, our journey has been kind of interesting. And I just wanted to take a few minutes to share about our journey. And then Dana's going to share a little bit about her experience this last year and a half, um, basically since we we went down to Southern California. Uh, We knew we were always gonna have two stages of our fundraising experience up here in Visalia and then down in the Southern California area because that's where we were from. And so we, uh, last August 2020, we made the move and uh, decided to live in LA County because that's a really fun place to live right now. And and so we were there and uh, we were living with my mom and God decided to bless us with a baby as we're, the baby gets to sleep in the closet. And 
And so that's been our experience. Um, that it was really unfortunate because the day we ended up moving was the day that Grace Community said, we're ready to meet outside full time. And so we have not really been able to fellowship with the church since March of 2020. And it was, it's obviously been hard. As we moved down to Southern California, that transition was also hard because we were trying to connect with our old church that we grew up in and mandates and connection. And so that started to put into me the real questioning of like, what is church for? And for most of you, for us, COVID became so much of a like, I need to take care of myself right now, you know, because we were all hurting. And so what did church become? It became more of like the community where I got support and I, I got encouragement and I had uh, a need from that that really wasn't being met as a family. We didn't fully feel it. Um, obviously, we, there's nothing like being with people. There's nothing like that connection. But that, that inspired me to start thinking, what is our community? What is our community before what is a church? What does that look like? And that question started rocking into my brain, especially since we're going over across the world to help strengthen churches, plant churches. What is that? And, and to, I'm sure, Tim's excitement, one of the verses that popped into my mind was 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. <laughs> I knew he would like that. Um, and I just wanted to share a few moments about how th those, this passage helped me gain a greater picture of who we are. It's not just a place where I get encouragement, even though it is. It's not just a place that I get my faith affirmed, my faith encouraged, and us inspired to live out our faith in the world. It's more than that. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you, Christian... Christians are a whole, I'm sorry, I'll start at the actual beginning. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his, for God's own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we could unpack, obviously, for days, each one of those little phrases. And so I just wanted to focus on two for a few moments. We have the phrase, you are a holy nation. If Christianity, all Christians throughout the world are a holy nation, that means what we are right here is an embassy. We are a piece of that holy nation. We are, a, 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 we are ambassadors in that full sense. We are here in the safety of the king of the universe. We are representing his kingdom in full, right here, right now. And that obviously goes beyond just encouraging me in my faith, but goes into what the community, when we gather together, we become an embassy. We become a holy embassy. And the second phrase that I just want to just have us think about is a royal priesthood. Not only do we come, when we gather together, we become an embassy, but when we gather together, we become a temple or a tabernacle, a place where worship happens, 
A place where, as it would say in Revelation, that the prayers become like the incense of the Old Testament, offered up, smelling sweet aromas to our God and Savior. We're a royal temple. We're kings and priests. We're queens and priests. And as we look into this new year, and I know Grace Community as is going to be experiencing so many transitions. It's so easy to think that the worship center is the holy place. It's when we gather, that's the holy place. That's what make it, makes it the assembly or the embassy. That's what makes it the temple. And so I, I want to encourage us as we look through this next year to try and explore as I've been walking through, trying to explore what exactly it looks like to live out as a holy nation, to be that embassy, that uh, example to the community of what the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. And also to be a kingdom of priests because that's who we are. And today is a day that we get to worship God just like in the temple service. So, so often for me, the Old Testament looks like this great picture of what, oh, this is what worship is. They have the temple. They have this structure. They have the presence of God sitting there. No, we have the presence of God here with us now. And that's the most glorious thing. And so those are just some thoughts that I wanted to share with you. Dana has some more um, things. And as she's coming up, I just want to encourage you this year process through, think through, have a higher expectation of what Grace Community Church is and have a higher expectation of what your role at Grace Community Church is. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. Thank you, Steve. <clears throat> Hi, good morning. Um, have you ever felt like you've lost your joy? Um, I would say back in April, I realized that I wasn't feeling joyful anymore. And there had been a lot of challenges over the past year. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and, um, they seemed to be layering one on top of the other, you know, not you, they weren't going away. It's not like one after the other. It was one on top of the next, on top of the next. And um, I started thinking, I don't feel joyful anymore. And is joy a feeling? And what does it mean to have joy in the Lord? Um, is that different than any other kind of joy. And um, I started praying about it a lot and reading my Bible. And I finally opened up about it to Steve because I felt pretty embarrassed to be asking the question. I don't know if you feel that way. Like, I've been a Christian for X number of years. I should know all this. I should master all of this. There should be all these things. I've checked these boxes. I've walked this lesson with God before. So it should be mine. And I should never have another question or another struggle about this again. But here I was having this conversation again. And I asked Steve to pray with me about this. And I just started moving through. And as I was 
reading the Bible, I started noticing all of these commands to rejoice. And um, I wondered about it. And then one day I was listening to Nancy Wilson and her definition of joy really helped as I was reading scripture to just kind of round out what is it, what is joy? And um, joy, I would define it as an intense, deep, abiding satisfaction in the sovereignty of God that results in us giving him praise. And when I say the sovereignty of God, I mean he's our creator. Um, he has saved us from our sins. He has accomplished our salvation for us. He governs the world in righteousness. And so all of our lives are before him. He is the king. He bows to no one. We bow to him. And so we rejoice in him and for what he's done for us. Um, joy doesn't have to be a happy mood, though it can be. And, um, but I would say joy is a gladness that comes alongside our other feelings and helps us in our moments. Um, can we have joy in mourning and in grieving? Yes. Can we have joy when we're being slandered? Yes. Can we have joy in the NICU? Yes. Can we have joy being left behind or being ignored? Yes. And how? Um, it's not by mustering up our feelings. It's not by, you know, like determining to be this really God-fearing person or I'm just going to try really hard to be joyful. Can't you see how happy I'm being right now? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and it's not about being stoic and numbing out those crappy feelings. Can I say that word in church? Because it's real. It's real. Um, those bad, hard, ugly things are real. And they're in our lives. And God doesn't pretend that they're not there. He is walking with us in those things. And our joy can come alongside of those things. We don't need to pretend like they're not hard. Um, but we can have joy by remembering all the good truths that we know about God and by praising him for them, by rejoicing. Um, I'm, I'm saying all these things. I don't know if it's clear that, that I've had to figure these things out all over again. I hope I'm not coming to you as some sort of expert like I've mastered. I've mastered the joy and the rejoicing. I feel like I'm practicing these things in the moment and remembering, ah, oh, okay, rejoice, rejoice. The command to rejoice is for our own good. It's for my good. It's for your good. Um, to remember the Lord. To sing to him, maybe, but not always. Um, to tell him back how thankful we are for him. And um, to share his goodness with others. All of these ways we rejoice in who he is. Um, 
God promises, he says he will supply all of our needs in Christ Jesus. So if you are like me, or if you find yourself like me, and you need to find help in finding the joy of the Lord again, ask him. Ask him. We don't have to pretend like we have it all together. He knows, and he wants us to come to us. He wants to satisfy our hearts with himself, and he will answer that prayer. Maybe not right away. It may be a process like it's been for me all over again, rediscovering these things. But he wants to answer our prayers. He wants to be the joy of our hearts and lives. He will answer. Psalm 65.3 says, let the righteous be glad. That's us. We put our trust in him. That makes us righteous. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice. And I want to leave you with Romans 15.13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Thank you. Happy New Year. 2022, can you believe it? You know, um, what do you think about on New Year's Eve, maybe New Year's Day, you know, some people have a tendency to think about the future. They make resolutions. Some people have a tendency to think about the past, what God has done for us as believers. Uh, my New Year's this year was interesting because we went to bed at 10. <laughs> and my neighbors decided I need to be awake at midnight. I thought we were in a war zone. It was so loud. And I woke up and thought, come on, I want to sleep. And then I went to sleep, back to sleep when that was all over. I woke up New Year's morning and the first thing that hit my mind was I took my watch off of the charger and I remembered that I hadn't put it on my wrist because I'm on call. And I put my, I typically when I'm on call, put my, my watch on my wrist so that it'll wake me up. And I took my watch, my Apple watch, put it on my wrist, and it started vibrating. I thought, oh no, I missed something. And it was all these fireworks going off, and it said, Happy New Year. <laughs> so I was glad about that. But I happen to typically think about what, was, what has happened, and I don't typically think about the future, but I couldn't help this year thinking about what is 2022 going to bring. And you know, it's, it's a bit dangerous to pay attention to the future because it's so uncertain. This service today is a perfect example of this. We planned this service. Sam Mitchell was supposed to be baptized today. He wasn't baptized at the previous celebration Sunday because his son got COVID and we couldn't baptize him. And he couldn't get baptized today because he and Heather tested positive for COVID. And... Courtney and uh, Sawyer Nordell were supposed to share, but they tested positive for COVID. 
And so I called Rich, which I'm so glad he could come and share, and I think you were challenged by that. Sam and Heather were supposed to get the right hand of fellowship today, but obviously they can't do that. The, the future is uncertain. You don't always know what's going to happen is what I'm trying to say. And certainly the last two years have taught us this. Certainly in the last two years, I mean, culture has changed so much. We drove up to Target the other day, and they put our groceries in the back. We sat in the car. We showed them the phone with the number. I thought, I'd ne that's crazy. The culture has just changed so much. You just don't even know what's coming. But this New Year's, I did have a tendency to think about the future. You know, this is our last celebration Sunday here at Grace Community Church. I, it makes me a little emotional. I grew up in this church, as many of you have. We will be worshiping, at least that's the plans at this point, at Divisadero Middle School. Construction on our ministry center will begin. It makes me feel, I mean, I must admit, New Year's morning, I, I felt a little anxiety. It made me, it's so uncertain. It's not, you know, it, I, I had a, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, I had a tendency to worry a little bit. I still think about that because I'm a detail guy. And I want everything just right. Well, uncertainty will come our way. But here's something I want to say. And I think you've seen it this morning. There is always a constant. No matter what the world brings our way, there is always a constant. And that constant is Jesus Christ, our God. And we can trust him. You know the passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Do you know why the scriptures, this is elementary, but sometimes I don't think we think about it. Do you know why the scriptures tell us to trust in the Lord? Because he's trustworthy. Think about that. That's very... I mean, sometimes I think we forget that. We can trust him. And I can tell you one thing about Grace Community Church. I've seen in the years I've been here, I've seen our church go through a lot. Good and bad. But we have always kept Jesus Christ at the center of it all. And I believe this. No matter what comes our way in 2022, this church body, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, we will keep the Lord at the center of it all. And we can count on that. And I say all that because today as we prepare to take communion together, every time we take communion, we are reminded of the constant. We are reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And we are reminded of the hope that we will always have no matter where we meet, no matter where we're at, but we as a congregation believe this. We, you know, I've used congregation often, and that's my kind of terminology, and Pastor John has challenged me in that and said, Tim, use family of God, because we are a family. And Grace Community Church, the Lord is the center of our lives. And as we prepare to take communion together, it's a chance for us to be reminded of that. And so before I lead you in communion, I thought it might be good to take a moment. You've heard a lot here this morning. As we prepare to take communion, I'm going to let you just have a moment.
of silence. I'm going to let you pray to our God who will hear your prayers. You may have something you need to talk to him about. You may have something you need to confess to him. You may want to just thank him for all that he's done for you. But I'm going to give you a moment to be silent as we take communion together. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you have been and you will continue to be so faithful to us. We are so grateful. And Lord, even as we prepare to take communion, we think of the ultimate, well, we think of the fact that you walked this earth. We think of the fact that you paid the ultimate price by dying on the cross for our sins. And we are thankful. We are thankful, Lord, for what you have given us. We are thankful for what is ahead. And we stand confident in our faith in you and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The scriptures say, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eat together. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink. Amen. You know, I just need to say, I, I don't know that I've served communion in the setting like this since we've had those cups that you, you know, the prepackaged things. I used to enjoy taking communion and leading in communion because you could hear the, the rustling of the cups. Well, you, do, you still hear that even with these cups. And you might think that's a little ridiculous, but to me it reminds me that, it, it, I don't know, it feels community to me. It feels like we're all in this together. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me pray for us. Father, it has been a good morning. Well, every day, Lord, is a good day because you give it to us and we rejoice. We are thankful for this day. Lord, we are thankful to be together. We don't forget, Lord, that we have the freedom to choose to come to worship. Some countries don't have that freedom. Some Christians in other countries don't have that freedom. We don't take that for granted, Lord. And so we are thankful to be here this morning together. We are thankful to be able to worship through the reading of your word, through the testimonies of people, through the singing of songs. And we do that even now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and sing one last song together.